So you want to tie my neck up in the ring ropes to stop me from getting at you? Well, you big tooth fairy, the next time you better bring along a guillotine. Because nothing is going to stop me from knocking your dirty, rotten, stinking teeth out of your mouth the next time you step in the ring. You want to play dentist? Then let's play dentist, doctor. The hitman is going to perform oral surgery on you with two of the most dangerous tools in the World Wrestling Federation today. My fists. You know, the last time we saw Brett the Hitman Hart, it was at SummerSlam. And he was hanging upside down with his tongue out and his eyes bulging out. You never look better, Eddie. <laughs> Do you still have a sore throat, Brett? Well, let me tell you something. I'll bet that you thought Isaac Yankum, DDS, was finished with you. Uh-uh. You still have one more appointment with the dentist. And Isaac Yankum has promised me that he will extract the final revenge from Brett the Hitman Hart and pull that thorn out of my side once and for all. Won't you, Isaac? Bret Hart, <laughs> I can't wait to sink my teeth into you. <laughs> nah. Hey, dirty dog, I hear you calling. I think it's time for the show. The sleep hold has got me confused, but maybe here we go. Mr. Hills and the dog from Maine, Event Status Radio. They're recording again. Aha. Bagels and biceps all over my screen. What are we supposed to do? We're the best there is. We're the best there was. And on Mid Event Status Radio, we're the best there ever will be. <laughs> this is Main Event Status Radio. As you heard in the background, that is Mr. Beverly Hills. I'm the Dirty Dog, Darcy. And it's on this very special edition of the podcast, Mr. Beverly Hills, we're dedicating yeah. this podcast to Brett the Hitman Hart. We are, yes. And apologies for my phone miss, but technical issues have led us to this point. So <laughs> That is fine. Uh, we... This past week, we decided to do to review a Bret Hart match because we found out on Monday, February first, that Bret Hart announced that he was he's been diagnosed with prostate cancer. So, like right. I like I mentioned, we want to in turn in return, we want to honor Bret Hart by dedicating this podcast to him. Sure. Yep. And obviously, encourage and give him all the best wishes uh, that we can, you know, that he pulls through and, you know, fights it off. Uh, if I remember correctly, I follow Brett on Instagram, and Brett did say he is going to beat this cancer like he's beaten every other thing he's did, he has inside the ring and outside the ring. So especially that Brett can kick, the, kick his strokes butt that he had in 2002, I'm sure his prostate cancer be an easy defeat for him. Yeah, Rockin, yeah, he did. Yeah, you're right. He did do that. So, uh, I guess a couple thoughts and such on Bret Hart's career before we review his match with Isaac Gankum DDS on edition of Ma, uh, edition of Raw from October 1995. Um, I was thinking about Bret Hart's career over the last week or so since he announced his, he has prostate cancer. Uh, Bret Hart's definitely a cornerstone for me in my childhood up to, say, 1997 on Monday Night Raw. That you know, We've been reviewing a bunch of older Raws, and 
Bret Hart is one of the main event players on the early editions of of Raw, and I definitely didn't didn't appreciate him as much when I was growing up as I do nowadays. Yeah, he's one of those guys that you know he was always on top, but he was never the big kind of um, over the over the top star like. Hogan was, and then, um, you know, eventually like Michaels, and then into the Attitude Era with Austin and all the rest. So yeah, he he was a very different kind of kind of star. Um, to me, I have to say, Brett should be considered to be one of the the best in ring storytellers from the past. You know, if not from the late '80s, definitely the decade of the '90s. Bret Hart was one of the best. Had to be probably easily in the top five, if not the top three. Yeah, definitely one of the best in-ring workers going during his time. That's that's certainly for sure. And you know, relating to this this match that we're watching, he would uh, he would take on whomever, and you know, maybe that's to his detriment in the long run. But he he would give main event caliber matches to whomever he was facing. And it wouldn't matter who you were, he'd give the the utmost to them. Uh, you know, to be, to be a jobber to Isaac Ginkum when in you know, this part of his career, October 16th, 1995, I never thought Isaac Ginkum would turn into anything in the professional wrestling business. And, you know, since 1997, October 97, so two years after this, he debuted as Kane and been one of, I guess, the cornerstones of WWE since. So, uh, so I feel like Brett did had a, I guess, help build up build up Isaac Yankum into being a decent big man wrestler that we know nowadays as Kane. Nah, I probably wouldn't go that far, <laughs> but uh, Fair I enough. don't. I don't think you can really. Those, I don't. I don't think you can quite put those two things together, but yes. I, um, I guess I got a couple questions. Uh, one is, is Pret Hart one of the best wrestlers ever, in your opinion, Mr. Beverly Hills? Oh, certainly, and definitely in ring. Um, total, totally, totally. How about you? I, I do agree with you. Yes, he is. He definitely changed the business, I feel like, for the better, during his time, all you know, this time in the mid, early to mid nineties into the late nineties, from when WWF was a big man's territory, Andre the Giant, Bruno Sammartino, Hulk Hogan, Lex Luger, Vince loved his. I guess not so much Andre and Bruno, but Vince loved his bodybuilder wrestlers, his mm-hmm. over the top guys like Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, guys like that. And I feel like without guys like Brett the Hitman Hart, Owen Hart, Randy Machman Savage, Shawn Michaels. I don't think without those guys we wouldn't we wouldn't have gotten the Shawn Michaelses, the Seth Rollins, the Dean Ambrose that we have nowadays, or even for me like Chris Jericho's from the two thousands or whatever else. I don't think without Bret Hart, I guess, especially Bret Hart trailblazing the WWF in the mid nineties. I don't think we would have gotten all those smaller guys that we got nowadays uh, who are 
technically one of the best into the WWF and in pro wrestling. Yeah, uh, Bret Hart and the steroid trials really gave us, and it gave him the chance to be uh, the top guy. And and yeah, and those his his work on top and his excellence on top really did give these other guys a good opportunity in that. Uh, do you feel like Bret Hart changed what it meant to be a, I guess, mid-event player in the WWF? Because, like I said, guys like Hogan and Warrior from a generation before had, you know, weren't so great in the ring, technically speaking, but were great with their charisma, with their promos and all that. And Bret wasn't really the best on the microphone. He couldn't, I guess, put a po- put over the po- main point, but... No, I feel like he was a everyday man on, you know, not really that great on the mic, but was great what he did in the ring. Do you feel like Brett helped change that aspect in the WWF? Uh, I not really because it seemed like as soon as they could, they went back to the more older style. You know, you look who after he transitioned the title, who did it go to? Like, first to back one, but then after that, Diesel, right? Yeah. That That's more of a, of a WWF guy. And then I know that, uh, obviously, we've had the, the Michaels and the Jericho and the Benoits and the Guerreros, but there's it seems like they're always wanting uh, more of the other kind. And uh, so, yeah, I guess he, he was excellent in what he did, but I don't think he really changed much. I guess too, like what you point, like you said, Roman Reigns nowadays. He, he to me falls in the category more of the Diesels, the Hulk Hogan's, and the ring being limited. Well, I, I give respect to Roman Reigns and all those guys, but Roman Reigns isn't a uh, Bret Hart like Seth Rollins is more of a Bret Hart. Well, sure. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, I know I, I feel like I guess these are kind of more connected, go hand in hand, but is Bret Hart one of the best wrestlers technically? Yes, certainly. Do you, I know, I guess there's been a lot of debate between Bret Hart and Ric Flair, them doing the same matches, but th- does that really matter to you? Um, to me, no. I, I've never been a person that. Uh, says that you need to do a different thing every time. Um, it makes it more exciting, sure, if they do, and that's always more fun. But I get I get the concept where both of them were guys who wanted to do or needed to do many matches in a year and in many different places. So, you know, those fans want to see whatever they want to see those same kind of things and let's be honest what what wrestler does have a different match every night nobody and that's okay yeah and to go on to run along with your point you know back you know in the 90s with brett and i guess in the 80s with flair they had to have put on many of matches with many different guys but yeah with many different kind of caliber guys, like we discussed, from Jobbers to Isaac Gankums to Diesels to Ric Flair's to Shawn Michaels's to Steve Austin's, you know he, 
you know, Bret Hart had to paint a picture with many different kinds of colors, different kinds of brushes, different kinds of, you know, tints, hues, and everything. And Bret, I felt like for, even with the match that we were going to be reviewing here in a few minutes, was able to paint an acceptable painting, if not a good to great painting with just about anybody with, when he was given the right amount of time in the rain. Right, I'd agree. Okay, then, uh, so we might as well talk about the match that we're, we've been reviewing. Uh, we kicked around a couple different ideas for a Bret Hart match, and this was one of the matches that I sent you, like, hey, th- I'll, I'm interested on on this match, and you chose this Bret Hart for this Isaac Gankum DDS Steel Cage match from Raw from October 16th, 1995. Why did you choose this match, Mr. Beverly Hills? Um, because I thought it was the most out of the ordinary. I thought it might be the most fun. Um, I, I, I don't know. I just really thought that it could be the most, like I said, most out of the ordinary kind of, kind of weirdest one. So yeah, okay. I want that. Cause I know I typed in a YouTube Bret Hart and the first match, well, yeah, I had a couple different options. The first match I came up with like, Third or fourth in the listing was the Bret Hart versus Triple H match from 1997 Raw. I'm like that's that's kind of interesting. So I clicked it, you know, clicked it. I'm like okay, then looked at the right options on what other matches are, I guess are similar to that. And I found the United States title match from Raw, I think 2010 against The Miz. That was like four minute clip. I'm like hmm, I kind of liked it back in the day in 2010. I'll click that. And then I phoned, yeah, this match against Isaac Gink. I'm like, you know what? I, I remember th- uh, the main feud between Brett and Jerry Lawler. I remember yep. Brett having some matches with Isaac Gink. And this would be an interesting match. And then on Daily Motion, I phoned the Brett Hart versus Chris Benoit Owen Hart tribute match. And I was, 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 was hoping that you choose that match. But you chose this match. And honestly, I am happy you chose this match, Mr. Beverly Hills. Uh, before we started recording, we were talking about it, and I watched this match last night, and this clip was, I think, 15, 16, 7 minutes long, and this match, this clip kept me into it the whole time. Sure, yeah, I would agree with you. I thought it was it was pretty pretty good from beginning to end. I, I also thought, I just, I don't know, I wanted to talk about how weird just uh whole Isaac Yankum thing. Well, yeah, go ahead and talk about it. Oh, I just think it's so random. And, like, who thought, like, let's have the main event feud or even a offshoot of one of our main event feuds be Bret Hart versus a wrestling dentist? <laughs> yeah, to, even... Oh, go ahead. Oh, to, I was going to say, to go on top of that topic, run with it, to me, this talks a lot about what era of the WWF, WWE we were in because we have had a lot of wrestling occupations during this time. You know, we have a wrestling dentist. We have a wrestling hog farmer. We have a wrestling hockey player. We have, you know, we have a wrestling clown. We, You know, we have a wrestling undertaker. We had a lot of different careers that came to the WWF to wrestle as their 
second career, and we have Sparky Plug and all that stuff. So this, I think, yeah, you were just mentioning that this speaks a lot about what era WWF we were that we are in for this match, and I feel like this speaks a lot about Bret Hart too. That he, even with that character that Kane had to play in this match, Bret was still able to pull out a really decent match out of it. Right, and you need like the the grounded characters, the ones at the center, to be able to have this craziness like orbiting around them. And without a normalcy in the middle, it all just gets way too crazy and it becomes a circus. So it's all right that you can you need those guys in the middle. But I just don't know who saw, you know, 610 uh, Unabomb from Smoky Mountain and thought, hmm, dentist. Like, <laughs> what? Yeah. Why? I, yeah, I totally agree with you that, you know, to, I don't know what they saw in, didn't Kane also play the Christmas creature somewhere? Um, yeah, in Memphis, er, very early in his career, yeah. So, yeah, even, uh, yeah, the Christmas creature in Memphis, yeah, the Unabomber in Smoky Mountain. No, not the Unabomber, that's Ted Kaczynski. My bad. This is. You and Unabomber was a prisoner sent bombs to <laughs> to various places. Unabom was there. My my apologies, Unabom. <laughs> yeah, just why Kane and I guess to me, yeah, when you selected this match, it made me think about Bret Hart was in. Well, I think at this time, like a little over two year on and off feud with Jerry Lawler, and I felt like WWF did a great thing on throwing in Isaac Gankum, you know, for this match. You know, throwing in Haku, I think, yeah, that Brett fought earlier in the year, early 95. Ooh, Hakushi. Hakushi. My bad. My apologies. You guys know I like to butcher names. My bad. Well, that's just a different person. Haku is... Yes. Uh, Hakushi, my apologies. But <laughs> I, feel, I feel like having Lawler pick random guys to fight for him against Bret Hart felt like extended his feud with Bret Hart and I and yeah, like I said Bret Hart was a cornerstone in my childhood watching WWF and I felt feel like uh, Bret Hart versus Jerry Lawler feud was also a corner, cornerstone for my early days of viewing Monday Night Raw sure I'm not super sure why we needed a two year Bret Hart uh, Jerry Lawler feud but Make the most of it. I'm cool with that. But yeah, we might as well get into the match. Uh, the clip starts out with Isaac Yankum already inside the cage, inside the ring, and we get the opening squeals of Bret Hart's theme song hitting the arena. Yeah. And, and I have to op- open up my main event status, Mel Yolo, for Bret Hart. <laughs> and what is your thoughts on the stage for this clip that we, we got the I feel like one of my favorite stages of Monday Night Raw history, just the the brick, the block letters of the R-A-W and the little small Tron inside the letter A. Awesome. I, I don't de- have much better opinion on yeah. it. I definitely loved it. I definitely love the smaller entrance ramp, the f- 
it at the, what the forty-five degree angle. Mister Beverly Hills schooled me on a while back. Yeah. I loved it, and I, and I really love the blue bar cage that we got for this match because. To me, as a viewer, it's a lot easier to see what's happening inside the ring to the regular mesh cage. I feel, and I feel like it's a lot easier for the wrestlers to perform inside the blue bar cage for, you know, especially this escape the cage rules. It's a lot easier to climb up the cage with it being this blue bar compared to the mesh cage. Sure, I would have no clue on that, but it would it would seem that way. Well, yeah, I have no clue either, but yeah, just... Thinking about it, I would assume that. But also, what is your thoughts on escape the cage rules for a steel cage match compared to pinfall victory style steel cage matches? Um, oh gosh. I would say in general, I'm more apt to like pinfall submission cage matches. Um it seems weird to win by escaping, um, but there there were good ones with both. That's just yeah. certainly true. How about you? I agree with you that I'm more prone to the pinfall submission because I feel like, you know, especially during this time, steel cage matches were meant to be more of a blow off or a feud, and you know, only have, only able to pin or submit your opponent inside the cage. I feel like it's kind of a, um, the the higher standard lumberjack match in a sense that, you know, the steel cage is meant to keep you in and keep everybody out. But, you know, I do, there are great, like you said, matches for both steel cage matches, a pinfall submission side and escape the cage. And I feel like uh, with Brett and Yankum and adding in with Waller in this match later on in the clip, I feel like they told a great story throughout this match on trying to escape the cage. Yeah, the story told was very good. I, I agreed with that. And I, with that. I, I really liked it when, the op- I think the opening moments of the match, of the clip, um, Vince McMahon is our play-by-play man and Jerry Lawler is our color guy, and Vince tells us that if Jerry Lawler interferes in any way, Gorilla Monsoon, the then WWF president, ordered that that Jerry Lawler would have had to be put inside a shark cage, and I was extremely happy that you picked this match because I know how much you, Mr. Beverly Hills, love the shark cage. Oh, yeah. Everybody should be put in a shark cage. <laughs> <laughs> At so, some point or another. Yeah, but I really liked how this match, to me, started started out. That you know Those two guys started out with a lockup in, Yankum pushed Brahart into the corner from the middle of the ring and started pummeling him. I like that because to me it shows, especially with us just out of the blue watching this clip and having really no backstory, to me it shows that Yankum is the stronger of the two and Bret Hart has a steep hill to climb if he defeats Yankum in this match. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I also... You can see though how green Yankum is as he he botches a snap mare, a snap mare. <laughs> you like can't pull Brett over. He just like kind of one of lets him flop. He like kind of spikes his face into the mat. But I did I did think like through throughout this match, you saw something that I think is interesting to 
Kane, whatever we can call him by his most famous name, I guess. But he's always been willing to kind of go more high risk than a lot of other wrestlers his size. You know, he here a couple times gets pulled from the top of the cage or from the top rope, taking these big bumps. And a lot of times, you know, guys that size aren't athletic enough to do that. And Jacobs or Kane, whatever, has has always been able to do that kind of thing. He is one of the more athletic big man wrestlers of his time. And in this match, he made it look realistic, too, and made it real that Bret Hart caught him trying to climb out of the cage, yeah, and toss him off the top rope and, yeah, and all that. And I appreciated seeing Gankum Kane do that in this match against Bret Hart, that Bret Hart would have to do something different against this big man to counter his escapes, him trying to escape the cage to keep him inside, to beat him down more, to try to himself, Bret, to escape the cage. Mm-hmm. Sure. And one thing I really love that we talked about this off-air that uh, Lawler was talking about, you know, before the match, he was talking to Isaac, to, to telling Isaac to take his time in beating Brett, wanting this match should be a adventures and dentures for the hitman. Yes. yes. <laughs> I laughed because, one, I know you would have hated, hated that line. Two, that line came across, to me, two, the line came across all greatly as a cheesy McMahon line that would pop McMahon, and three, it made me laugh out loud. Yeah, man, these Lawler puns were just freaking awful. Oh, God, throughout, they're so cheesy, because, like, so, I don't know, this very indicative of the 90s cartoon time, that one of the main storylines of this match is that Lawler has stolen the original lock here, and then he about fires off about 20 different lock punts, and I'm just, like, dying. Yeah, well, talk about the, I didn't take any note of it, but I think, like, one, when he originally, or, like, yeah, the clip started out, he's like, I'm the, Matt, I'm the key, uh, key, I'm the key to this, I'm the, yeah. I'm the key to the success, or something like that. Like, mm. okay, then, yeah, then we get a clip or a shot of Vincent Lawler, then Lawler is pulling out the original master lock out of his crown, and Vince's like, oh, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> like okay, that kind Show of... Show what you got there! Like, that's going to obviously foreshadow what's going to happen later, but, yeah, just those puns, yeah, just were cheesy and definitely, like I said, definitely are lines that I think either Lala came up with himself or Vince told him to come, you know, gave them to him to make Vince pop himself. Sure, yeah. Then, um, one of the things that I, I saw was, um... Yeah, Bret Hart headbutted Yankum in the gut, you know, spread his legs, headbutted him. I, I don't know, to me, that was different because most of the time we saw spots like that, guys would just spread the legs and kick him in the gut. Do spots like that really matter to you? No. Yeah, same here. Really I just felt, I felt like Bret, that was one, th- one quirk about Bret Hart that I appreciate that he, Changed up simple moves like that just to, you know, just to change it up from to have his arsenal be a little bit different from everybody else. Sure. Then I don't want to talk about Escape the Cage. One thing I really enjoyed about this match was one time Brett tried to escape the cage by climbing backwards up the ropes. 
okay. to me, you kind of showing off the Bret Hart, you know, did some thinking, trying to show off the, to me, that Bret Hart is a thinking man's wrestler. <laughs> okay. I don't know. It just. What do you mean when you say climbed back? Uh, what does that mean? Like when he, he, he was facing the Yankum, Yankum was in the, like more in the middle of the ring. Bret Hart had his back to like the, the turnbuckle and Bret started to climb up the turnbuckle, like, you know, like backwards. They had his back to the turnbuckle. Okay. How does that show me in the thinking man's wrestling? Yeah, he, he was climbing up the ropes, trying to climb up the cage, watching Yankum, he knows where Yankum's oh. at when he was trying to climb out. Okay. To me, okay, I to, get it. To me, that's a small thing. I don't think most people would catch that stuff. That's why I wanted to take note of it and put over Bret Hart, saying that yeah, he's. I appreciated that thinking man spot right there. Oh, okay. Then all right. So so Bret tries to go out of the cage here, and Waller uh, punches him back in, and uh, this is where kind of we take a big turn in the match here because. Gorilla and his geeks come out, Tony Gurria, uh, Rene Goulet, and they string him up in this uh, cage, this shark cage here above the ring. And what do ma- you think about that spot? It, it made me laugh hearing Vince say, yeah, get him, get him, put him in the cage. He, that's where he deserves to be, inside that cage. It <laughs> made me laugh hearing Vince get all excited about it and put him, right. putting him over, and we... Kind of got the teaser of that, like Vince was, Vince was mentioning earlier in the match, that, you know, Jerry, if you interfere, this is what's going to happen. And I really enjoyed seeing that, okay, Brett, looked like Brett was, had the victory, was about to escape, and Lawler couldn't control himself but to jump up and punch punch Brett. And, and Brett fell down and made me laugh like, right when, like you said, Monsoon and his, and his um, geeks came down. Brett, you no. Know, came to and started punching Lawler through the cage and all that. That's why I like the blue bar cage, that you can actually do more stuff like that than the traditional mesh cage. Sure. Um, uh, Yeah, but I really like when Lawler got put in the cage and got got, uh, raised up. We did see, I think, a bad timing where Lawler was putting, like, the little earpiece in his ear, I think, to hear Vince talk and all that, and Vince like, oh, what is he doing? And... Yeah, you know, it wasn't he said that because it's clear that that's what he was using for. Yeah, and it just it made me smile seeing Lawler up there and him having the earpiece to hear McMahon and those two kind of having some kind of uh, banter back and forth with Lawler up in the up in the cage, kind of screaming and all that. You know, trying to tell Vince, "Hey, McMahon, get me down from here." Mm-hmm, yeah, it got a little much. Yeah. It got a little much, a lot of a little too much Lawler, uh, especially when the nosebleed takes place. Yeah. Uh, before that, I wanted to ask: uh, Brett did put Yankum in the sharpshooter in the middle of the ring. Do you feel like submissions like that are effective and escape the cage, escape the cage matches? Well, clearly not. But yeah, uh, yeah. I, to me, it wasn't effect, effective. But yeah, I wanted to ask: uh, Do you have? Any other things you'd like to talk about before we get to the finish? Um, no, not especially. Okay. Uh, the finish came when Isaac Yankum pulled Bret Hart into the middle of the ring and hit him with a great move called the DDS. Oh, God. I hated that it's called the DDS. Yeah, because I put... Well, because in this match, I shortened Yankum's name down to DDS. I put, you know, DDS hit a DDT. 
in parentheses called the DDS. I'm like, just like you, like, this is completely silly. Why? I hated it too. But I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> I'm not going to dwell on it. You know, yeah. Yank him hit the DDT in the middle of the ring. Yank him started to climb the cage, you know, cage in the, in the middle, towards the middle, towards the hard camera. But Brett caught him, tugged him back, you know, tugged, tugged him back in the cage. Uh, uh, Yank him hit, went crotch first to the top rope, which made me laugh. Uh, yep. Brett Hart did the Jim, Jim Ross's favorite 10 punches in the corner. Irish whipped, <laughs> tried to Irish whip DDS into the opposite cor- turnbuckle, but DDS countered right at that time when Brett went stern first in the turnbuckle DDS signal for Lawler and Lawler threw down the key to the lock that he switched yeah. out before the Yank went over and tried to unlock the master lock but Brett rolled him up kind of like a um, roll up to pin him then looked like he ne- nailed him in the nuts but McMahon tells us he nailed him in the jaw oh really? Yeah. I thought it was a low blow too <laughs> well, yeah, I thought it was a low blow it looked like a low blow but Vince was going oh Brett hit him in the jaw <laughs> but yeah, then Brett threw the key away, punched Yankin more in the face, you know, put him down with the the running bulldog, which always looks great from Brett. Hit the mm, right. the, the knee backbreaker that he's known for. Hit the second rope elbow drop, then climbed over and won the match. Yes, which I I loved and kind of thinking about going over the finish and Brett hitting hitting uh, Yankin in the jaw. Do you remember what Yankum's teeth looked like during this time? Pretty nasty. Yeah, and I can't remember where I heard this from, but I remember, I think for Yankum, that he had to put on some kind of like fake teeth or do something funky with his teeth to make it look like it being completely nasty, which I really, you know, when Vince put over Brett nailing him in the jaw, I thought about that, like, yeah, to me it would hurt more being hit in the jaw when, your teeth and such aren't really that great like Yankum supposedly were. Any, deep sinker. Anyways. You're a deep sinker. Anyways, <laughs> Bret Hart won this match. I did this match two and a half stars, Mr. Beverly Hills. Yeah, I would have went, yeah, probably two and a half on this match. I feel like the overall, you know, with us just getting this clip and all back, so I know nothing, I feel like this was an overall good match. Uh, like we said earlier, that told a good, good story where Lawler tried to cheat to have Yankum win, but backfired on him, and Brett and Yankum to, told a good story inside the cage around, you know, the around Lawler cheating and trying to escape the cage stuff, and both, you know, the cage match, if this, if you and I do escape the cage rules, I feel like, feel like this would, would be a good layout to try to lay out your match based on. Sure, the, the histrionics of of Lawler in the cage was a bit much, but overall good, and I appreciate it. It was, it was a good match overall. Do you want the inside secrets on how Lawler gives him, makes himself bleed through the nose? Okay, yeah, give it to me. I remember Lawler saying, I think on Stone Cold's podcast years back, that that I think they were talking about you know the the Lawler heart feud and Lawler you know being afraid of heights, legit and. And all that, and like when Lawler got put up in the shark cage, well, we didn't see it, but Lawler mentioned on the podcast that he would, he has a, a supposedly a permanent scab up in his nose. That when he's up there, he he picks his nose enough to break that scab to have his nose bleed. Gross! I didn't think he was actually bleeding. That's sick. 
Yeah, because oh, actually, at the end of at the last like one of the last clips we saw, we actually saw little trickles of blood out of his nose. Like, okay, I know nosebleeds aren't really that bad anyway, but I could I could have went without seeing Lawler actually bleed out of his nose for this clip. Gross! I was hoping that it was just like I don't know something fake. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's it. So. Yeah, like you said earlier in the podcast, Mr. Beverly Hills, if Brett, you or somehow somebody hears this that knows you, best wishes, Brett, I know you can easily kick this cancer's butt and put it in a sharpshooter. Yeah, man. Get well. Be your best. Work hard. And we might as well do our quick plug to the podcast. You guys can listen to us three different platforms over at our website, maineventstatus.com. Again, that's maineventstatus.com. Dot com. You guys can listen to us on SoundCloud. Search us out, Made Event Status Radio, there, or go to soundcloud.com slash Made Event Status Radio. And Mr. Beverly Hills, you're a big proponent of iTunes. Tell us how the listeners can listen to us on iTunes if they don't. You got it, man. All you got to do is just search on Main Event Status Radio and please rate, comment, and subscribe. And tell your friends, because we want to move up the charts. We want to beat Jim Ross's hashtag saucy attitude in his silly Ross report that comes out every Wednesday or something like that. I don't pay attention. You guys can uh, <laughs> interact with us on social media. You guys can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Radio, or just search us out on Facebook. We are there. Interact with us there. Tell us how you like our series, our random episodes, and all that fun jazz. Tell us your favorite memories of Bret Hart on Facebook or on the Twitter machine. Mr. Beverly Hills, how can they interact with you when you're thrilling and a-chilling on Sunset Boulevard on the Twitter machine? You can find me at Beverly Hills MES. You guys, you guys can interact with me on the Twitter machine at Dirty Dog MES, and that's dog as in D-A-W-G. Mr. Beverly Hills, for you... I'm the Dirty Dog Darcy. Adios, mid-adventures. Peace out, guys. Turn him over there. And Bret Hart almost escaped from the cage. Jacob. That's Bret Hart. Open it up. Open it wide. Throw him in. Yeah. Lock it. That's where he belongs. That's where Jerry the King Lover belongs. Yes. Yes. Lawler interfered. He was warned about interfering. Monsoon Jr. was hurt. Wait a minute. I think... I think, I think they're beginning to hoist, yes. They're beginning to hoist that short cage. Come on! Hey! Then the time when I said goodbye And now I'm back and not ashamed to cry Ooh, baby, here I am Signed to deliver, I'm yours When I said goodbye And now I'm back And not a sheep to cry Ooh, baby Here I am
Isaac Yankum pummeling across the back of the neck of the hitman, Bret Hart. I've asked Isaac not to try to get out of the cage too quickly. I want this to be, oh yeah, I want this match to be entitled Adventures in Dentures. I want him to knock all of the hitman's teeth out where he'll have to wear false teeth like both his parents, Stu and Helen. <laughs> Adventures in Dentures.